Welcome to the Soulful CXO, where we discuss leadership principles, core values, health, wellness, and resiliency. I'm Dr. Rebecca Wynn, the founder and the host of the show. Do you have a topic or guest you would like to be featured on the show? Would you like to be a sponsor? Please reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at Rebecca at SoulfulCXO.com. Please go to our partner, Cybersecurity Tribe, for weekly show recaps and other resources. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Soulful CXO. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Wynn. We are pleased to have with us today, Nadia L. Pertassi. Nadia is the founder of Thrive with EQ, where she is renowned worldwide for her being a human resilient expert. She has over 20 years of experience working with STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, professionals from more than 40 nationalities across public, private, and government sectors, fostering trust and understanding among diverse global stakeholders. Prior roles include being a NATO senior executive. Through Thrive with EQ leadership programs, she works with STEM leaders to build high-performing teams by applying practical emotional intelligence, leverages her expertise in crisis management and strategic stakeholder engagement to provide a holistic approach to addressing the human factor of working with increasing digitized world and designs and facilitates resilience and readiness strategies drawing on the tested scientific emotional intelligence toolkit and the University Applied Character Strengths surveyed by the Values of Action Character Institute. She has led several flagship projects, including regional cyber leadership approach webinars for the World Savings Bank Institute that were part of the worldwide initiative with partners such as Global Cyber Alliance and the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace Cyber Thin Project. Nadia also is alum of the German Marshall Fund Marshall Memorial Fellowship Program and co-chaired the Global SAC 2019 Breslava Forum. Nadia, it's great to see you again, my friend. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca, for welcoming me and for your introduction. You know, for those who don't know you, you really have this vast background. But one of the things that I always find fascinating about you and your stories is you really came up from the school of hard knocks and learning hard lessons. Can you go ahead and walk us through that journey when you start out when you were 21 and the lessons you learned and how that got to you where you are today? Yeah, I still remember it as it was yesterday, but it's been a long journey, I will say. I was, I went to university in The Hague and I did what students shouldn't do. But after two years, I quit and I got a job in southern France for a NATO uh, capability agency that was developing actually the helicopters, transport helicopters for Navy and Army. There were five nations working together. So I started there in southern France as a 21-year-old. And at that time, people who started at NATO, their dream was to stay until 20 to 30 years. But for me, it was no, I'm going to leave just before the 10 years because then I get all my pension paid out. That was the plan at that time. But I, as I progressed in my career, I got excited again and determined to finish my studies. So I was working and then I finished my part-time, my bachelor's and I did my master's and I went over 10 years and I was deployed as well in Afghanistan. So I really moved up the ladder from secretary to senior executive. 
And when you hear when women say breaking glass ceilings, you can only imagine I had to break brick walls. <laughs> and it's not necessarily because of it was a male-dominant environment, yes, but I think in institutions in general, where there's not a lot of vacancies or not a lot of women in the beginning, now there are more. And especially when you start out as a secretary, we all have biases. We all have the stigma. Me, the first one, I really kept myself mentally stuck that, oh, I'm a secretary. I'm an immigrant's daughter. I don't deserve. I was very bold and went after my dreams. But in my mind, not necessarily imposter syndrome, but I never felt like I deserved it. I had to work hard and prove myself, which hindsight is why I have all these certificates and all these <laughs> achievements, because I came from a place, if I don't have this, then who I who am I? Until I think the universe went into burnout in 2018, and I really started thinking, what's the point? And I decided to, I had an indefinite contract, so I could stay for the rest of, until my pension. But I decided I want to do something else with life and follow my my heart. And I left NATO and started my consultancy one year before the pandemic. So I thought I had built some resilience during 18 years of NATO. And then I had a whole different set of resiliency <laughs> to manage during the pandemic as a single mother and no plan B. But, but I made it. I learned so much along the way. And I wish I share on my personal newsletter every Saturday, struggles in an optimistic way, how I deal with very sensitive topics that people don't necessarily are open to talk about. But I think it's so important that not everyone has to share, but to understand that I really believe our human spirit is very strong and there's nothing we cannot overcome, even though it is quite uncomfortable. This is how we build resilience. So I'm a big passionate mental health advocate because I've been there. I know how it is to suffer in silence. So that is my story. That's how we first met. We met by yeah. reading each other's stories. Seek out similar people, heart and souls, you find them. I want to circle exactly. back when you talked about that you start out in secretary work and doing things like that, and then moving up the corporate ladder. Did you end up having a mentor or sponsor? Was there other women around that you saw in positions that were higher than you that you aspired to be? A lot of people don't know how to get out of that box to the box that they want to be in. Yeah, I may get in trouble for this, but the brick walls were more made by women than by the men. I had a lot of male mentors, actually. And how I see mentors is not necessarily someone who has your best interest as a heart, but also those who don't have your best interest at heart and who try to hold you down. Why? Because they teach you as much as someone who does have your best interest at heart. It's very uncomfortable. But for me, how I always function, even though I had self-doubt, even though I felt small in front of other people because of my background and my mindset, I was always bold and rebellious. So when you tell me no, and it's impossible, when I set my mind to something, I'm going to it. And I had mentors. I had, I had one, actually one female mentor that I will always remember, an Italian woman who was my boss. 
and she really gave me opportunities. She was secure in herself. She saw the potential in me and she really pushed me and helped me. And that is just absolutely wonderful. I also had the opposite, which was not wonderful, but I learned so much from those situations. The other thing I will say, I worked for a workaholic for six years who was a brilliant man and probably worked me like until I was depleted. But again, I learned it was, it was not for him. I don't know if I would have ended up in university, getting my master's, getting, I was also, they had a NATO and executive development program, which was at that time, I was still graded as a secretary, even though I was doing policy work and it was not open for grades like me, but I didn't take no for an answer. So I applied and he supported me. And I was the first one in NATO to ever get admitted in such a program. And that also helped me move up the ladder. I will say, though, the uh, the hardest thing is to believe in yourself when no one does, because how I got into the senior executive position was after 50 applications, nine interviews, two interviews within my own team with the people who knew me and who were always praising me, who did not pick me. <laughs> And you can only imagine the level of defeat you feel. I even had people close to me, and the people mean, but often we don't realize the impact of our words. They told me, just give up, focus on your family, right? When are you going to give up? And then this position of senior executive, which was a quite strategic position, high level, because you work directly with the ambassadors in the military committee, the highest command within NATO. I said, I'm going for it. This is really speaks to my heart. I am tired, but I'm going to do it one more time. And I ended up getting it. I had two interviews. I had to the big boss who had some doubts whether he could hire me or not. I went to see him directly and I used emotional intelligence and diplomacy and I was hired. And it was really some of the best years of my life. I worked in a great team. I loved my job, but at a certain point, when I went on this fellowship and I traveled to the U.S., this entrepreneurial spirit and this fire in me just kept burning. I'm like, there must be something more for me. I don't think everyone, right? But for me, it was time to move on. So that's when I made the decision. But I always say it's good to seek out mentors, but don't always look for advice from people you like or people you feel comfortable with. I learned much more for people who try to stop me or who people who were unkind. And I'm not saying that you should be unkind to people. I think if you can be anything, you can be kind. But the resiliency I have now, thank you to those who thought that, who tried to keep me stuck. It's interesting. We do hear that over and over again, is those who at times are the hardest on you, sometimes because they're jealous and don't want you to aspire. But sometimes that's the reason why you do overcome and aspire. It amazed me when you said how many times you were told no, but you kept going back. A lot of people might have gone back for the second time, maybe the third time. Doubt they would have gone for the fourth time. So did you have a great support structure around it or were you just stubborn? How did you keep getting no. yourself up? Uh, Self-belief. I actually, I did not necessarily have a great support system, nor do I have one now. And I get a lot of no's now as well, especially the kind of work that I do. And I, it gets hard, right? So for me, I have a, I'm very grounded in a higher purpose, meaning that I am on a mission 
I truly believe I can impact people's lives when it comes to emotional firewalls, right? When it comes to cybersecurity, the work that I do, I truly believe uh, I can impact people's life for the better. And I love what I do. And you have to love and be passionate what you do beyond the vanity, beyond the approval, beyond people's opinions. Because in life, you're going to get a lot of no's. And those no's, I, so there are two tracks because there were the no's in NATO and there were the no's as entrepreneur. And when I was in NATO, the no's for me, I did have a support system in the sense my colleagues at times. So they also, some of them really helped me uh, give me that positive energy. But for me, how I dealt with it is I think you take the blow, feel disappointed, very self-aware, feel negative emotions, feel sorry for yourself. And then I dust myself up and get back up again. No. And this is what my workaholic boss at the time also taught me. He never took no for an answer. He's no is not no. It's come back another time. What can you learn? What is the feedback? And it can be very disheartening, especially me into Italy thought because I went to Cambridge, I thought they're going to handpick me. They didn't. For two years, I was in and out interviews and within my own team, I even had people, I could see the look in their face. They were pitying me and I could see other people getting promoted before me. And I almost fell in the trap of not jealousy, but why them and not me? The second thing I will say, focus on yourself. There are times where I was not perhaps ready. So I took the feedback, I worked, and it's a process. It's a messy process. But if you give up on yourself, then I always remember when I'm dying, what will I tell myself? Do I Will I remember who made fun of me or who told me no? I probably, I don't want to remember, actually. I want to remember that I have grit, resilience, and continued. Now, as an entrepreneur, it's a whole different story because in the beginning, I had a lot of people, a lot of people say they will do something, but they don't. <laughs> this is something I had to get used to outside of NATO. So I, had, I, I learned my lessons as well. And I receive a lot of no's. A lot of people don't even take the time to respond. And I... I am in love with what I do. I literally, I if I could work all day, which I try not to because balance is important, but I believe so much in my vision and what I can do that I focus on that. And when I get no, I follow up because people is, are busy. So I have a rule. I follow up twice. After two times, I move on because it's my time wasted and obviously the person is not interested. The big difference when I was in NATO, where I still struggled with low levels of self-confidence and self-worth, I was taking the no personal, as the rejection had something to do with me. After when I went to my burnout and the time by myself, I worked on these shadow issues and I no longer rejected myself. So I'm fully in my worth and it's a daily practice to remember myself. And now the no does not trigger me anymore. It does not I don't take it personal. I say, okay, next one, move on. I Because when you are working towards something that is bigger than you, when you're really mission-driven and you love what you do, of course, I feel sad. Of course, my ego sometimes is hurt, but I stay balanced, right? Robert De Niro explained it very well, and maybe people won't agree, but he said, when you are successful, stay calm. When you are failing, stay calm as well.
just be grateful. This is the third thing I will say. I and it's not spiritual woo-woo, but gratitude is just changes everything. Whenever I feel sad, whenever I feel like rejection, but I do it any every day, I'm just very grateful for every for how far I've come and for everything I have and for the things that are about to come. And what is meant for me will come and what's not meant for me, I will just let it flow. But the biggest difference, if I will give your audience, is to not, when people reject you, they are not rejecting you. They are just saying no because they don't have time. They're not interested. They don't understand what you're offering or what you're doing. It has nothing to do with you. Maybe one time out of 10, it has something to do with you. So you cannot reject yourself. You have to have such a big belief in what you're doing and in the value that you're offering. It's not about you. It's the work that you're doing that literally now people can say no. And when they say yes, I'm actually, neutrally happy because I believe in myself and I fully committed to my work and I'm obsessed and I'm in love with the problems I'm solving. So that is the biggest antidote for dealing with no's. They're not saying no to you. So don't say no to yourself. I actually carry a Q-tip. So would you clean out your ears with one of the vendors out there is called Q-tip. And I would put one on my desk. I would put one in my pocket. I might be putting one over by where I keep my notes because Q-tip, quit taking it personally. So that was the image that I would carry. And I would have the physical touch just to remind me. It's really hard today not to take things personally, because especially if you're looking for work or if you're in a job and you're taking negative criticism and stuff like that, of being able to say, really, is this really about me? Or is there about something else that is going on with them and the environment? And I'm just getting the blunt of their frustrations. That's a big lesson. And I'll be honest, that's one I, I still struggle with day to day, depending on what environment I'm in. How do you put that in perspective? I still struggle with it as well. But I think the difference from when I was in NATO and when I was now, life humbled me so much. And I think when you go through a lot of challenges, I really, I'm very careful what triggers me. I get upset much less. I don't take things as heavy as I used to because I've been through hell and back <laughs> without going into much detail, personal in the sense. So that also helped me to have a, I have a practice. I think routines are very important. I'm an addition. I'm a highly sensitive person. Doesn't mean that I'm crybaby, but around 15 to 20% of world populations are highly sensitive people, which means they have a highly sensitive nervous system, which is amazing for the work that I do because I have a big imagination and I can see between the lines and I'm a deep thinker, but I also feel very intensely. So now I have a morning routine. The morning routine works differently. It's not always meditation, but I have a fixed morning routine where I remind myself of the simplicity of life. I think when you go to burnout and everyone experiences differently, it's very hard to get out of that. And we speak now about burnout as if one week you're exhausted, but people who go through burnout, they're also mentally depressed. So it's very difficult. So in the morning I have my routine, I have my gratitude list. I remember I have a healthy son. My son is healthy. He's vibrant. I'm so lucky to have a healthy son. I have a healthy bunny. I have a roof above my head. Taught myself. And, and also, I don't shy. I, this is very important. Negative emotions are important. 
I don't suppress feelings anymore. Emotions are energy and motion. So what happens when we suppress feelings, then they get stuck. And then we it's like having a bottle of water and a bottle of soda. And the soda is filled with bubbles. And if you shake it hard enough, it will explode. And this is why I love working in this industry, because a lot of people in this industry, they are a bottle of soda because they have suppressed, right? We don't necessarily learn how to express our emotions in a safe way because of the way we are trained and because also of this industry, highly technical, how we appear. So you have to be able to find a way to channel, right? To channel the negative emotions, whether it's through writing, whether it's the physical exercise, whether it's having a person in confidence, whether it's just talking about it already helps. They need to, otherwise they will, you will have emotional carryover, especially when I, some of my clients I work with, they were exhausted because they had one challenge and they were still carrying the emotions, which they didn't know from that challenge to the next meeting and then to the next. So by the end of the day, they were so depleted and stressed out because they had all these emotional carryover. So I teach them, one of the things I do as well is, is quick meditations, just to really calm down emotional clearing, mental clearing. And they are like reset, refreshed. And just very little, those little tools, five minutes or even sometimes one minute do the trick and so it's all about understanding what works for you i don't allow external stimuli to control my peace of mind this is a very difficult to do that's why you have to develop self-confidence and really being able to set standards and boundaries because otherwise people will hijack your time and energy and then you're stressed all the time so these are just i think from a more sustainable perspective, what is your morning routine? Which will be different for different people. What is your evening routine? And what are you doing to really protect your mind? <laughs> because it's all, it all starts with our thoughts, right? This ties into what you explained about, as I call it, the golden C-suite triad. When you talk about chief product yes. officer, digital officer, the CISO, the CIO, and how you really have to understand each other, not only from what's happening in your work world, but kind of a little bit what's going on emotionally. So then you actually can be better leaders and work together. Can you explain that a little bit to our audience? Yes, of course. In my last five years in NATO, everyone was not working in silos, but everyone was competing for their resources. And what happens is we get we lose the sight of the bigger picture and how do we integrate and reduce organizational silos, organizational blindness, and bridge organizational silos. So what I do now, actually, I recently developed these programs because my focus is on building cyber resilience with emotional intelligence. And I don't mean the technical cyber resilience, the human cyber resilience. And there are a lot of challenges. When you look at the CISO or the CIO, if there's no, if the cybersecurity is under their responsibility, they went from a predominantly technical cyber role to now more of a business role that has a lot of layers to it, as we see with liability issues, data breaches, people, cyber hygiene, and so forth. So it's a lot of load on you and your fellow CISOs. Then you have the chief people officer who are supposed to bridge 
the 30 plus million gaps in cybersecurity vacancies who are supposed to make the organization resilient with the talent that they do have and high achievers are burning out on a high rate. So how do they get, they also have a lot of on their plate. Often organizations work with high turnover with introduction now of disruptive technology or even the lack of automation as well. We also see this big gap in how data is managed. And then we have the CEO and a lot of people say CEO and the board don't understand cyber. It doesn't mean that they don't understand cyber. CEO's business is business continuity, business disruption. They have several different portfolio and risks on their plate. So mentally, we are in a state of peace. We can handle seven to eight decision factors, right? If we have a normal brain. If you have Einstein brain, maybe more, but that is what we can do. This is why human error prevails when we are under pressure or when we are carrying chronic stress as well. So it's not that people don't want to understand, but making change is very uncomfortable. And because we work with such high workload and stress, it is very difficult to understand people's map of the world and to be empathic. We, this is why I sometimes get frustrated when emotional intelligence is presented in a very simplistic way. You see, leaders have to be more this and CISOs have to communicate more business risk. We had a separate office that translated security risk because there was no way that we were going to take the genius and the time and the resources from these people who are already overloaded to have an additional line of work that could be done by someone who is trained in these things, right? So I think it is really understanding how do you implement and integrate it. And what I created now is, I call this the cyber resilience triangle. Everyone is responsible for cyber resilience. But for me, in my view, and the clients that I work with and that I who will share the same vision, because not everyone shares this vision, and then they, I don't work with them, is the CEO on the top, right? He is, drives cyber resilience from a business continuity perspective. Doesn't need to know all the technical details. He doesn't need to know he has different KPIs and measures cyber resilience differently. And from a people perspective, always. And then I work with the CISO on one side. So it's more about security cultures and stress management. The Half of the stress that people feel is invisible. So I work with them in addressing the root cause of stress. So they already feel much more relieved. And then the CPO. And there I use my stakeholder engagement and employee value proposition expertise and help them create compelling stories, help them create resilience, help them bridge the cybersecurity skills gap through emotional intelligence. What I call the use the three step is the preparedness, more are the teams aligned? How is the CEO or the board aligning their teams, this, the management teams, in order to be able to face the disruption? The resilience, how is the CISO building resilience within his or her team, but also within the workforce? When we are under stress, we are much more vulnerable to cyber attacks because criminals or scammers are using the emotional intelligence manipulation techniques. And do we have the right resources, mindset, and skills in place to be able to bounce back or to withstand? It's not anymore if we're going to be disrupted, but when. And the businesses that have the highest confidence of their customers and shareholders are not the one who avoid disruption, digital disruption, but the one who bounce back, who withstand it. We need to be able to work together, right? 
as human beings with different maps of the world and, and make it a resilient collaboration. Nade, our time has just flown by. What is the best way for the audience to reach out to you personally if they want you to do keynote speaking or anything along those lines? And how can they learn more about your company? Thank you, Rebecca. I It did fly by. I really enjoyed it and your questions. Thank you so much. So if they want me for keynotes or workshops, they can visit my website, thrivewitheq.com. I have loads of information. I have podcasts. I have blogs. I have videos as well. So you can find everything there. And you can also email me at nadia at thrivewitheq.com if you want more information or book a call. So all the links are there on my website. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you want to learn more about what I'm doing and building that trust, you can follow or connect with me on LinkedIn. I, during the weekdays, I share quite a lot of videos and content to explain what I just talked about on how I build cyber resilience with emotional intelligence, aka emotional firewalls. And I love to connect with people from all over the world. So please do reach out on LinkedIn. And that's how people can get in touch with me. Nadia, thank you. You are a soulful CXO. Thank you. You're a soulful host, Rebecca. It was an honor to to be here today with you. Thank you.